Open your book, the Bible, to the book of James. Turn over to the third chapter, picking up there around uh, verse 13. That's where we find ourselves. Who is wise? That's a great question. Who is wise? Who is wise among us? Who is the wise one? Well, we know who the really wise one is. It's God himself. We know where wisdom comes from. It comes from above. And yet there's all this wisdom and knowledge that we try to gain in this world through education or whatever. But as you look at these passages there, uh, that section, you'll just see this whole talk about wisdom. You read the, the wisdom literature book in Proverbs, and I love to read that, just all the wisdom that comes flowing from the Scripture. But let me depart for just a minute into the world and share something with you. Don't be offended by this one word because we'll try to redeem it. I believe the kids have walked out, but here it is. I read this, heard this years ago, and I found it again this week. Life is hard. It's harder when you're stupid. Now, I don't know what you're thinking. Somebody said, who said that? And it was attributed that John Wayne said that. But if you go back, if you're a John Wayne, the Duke kind of fan, he never said that in any of his movies, but it sounds like something that he would have said, okay? But let's flip it, because some of you are still hung up on the S word. I understand. I don't even like to say the S word in church, but I said it, okay? Here's what we could say. Life is hard, but it's easier when you have God's wisdom. Life is hard, but oh, it's so much easier when I flow in the stream of God's wisdom and the church said, amen. So we're going to look this morning about what it is to be wise and how do we function in it? How do we get that? We already looked in the very first chapter, the fifth verse. When James addresses this, he goes, if you need wisdom, and we all need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give generously without finding fault to all those that ask him. That's how simple we can gain wisdom. We have to acknowledge him. A, a verse I've been meditating on for the last six weeks is a verse I learned 30 something, 40-something years ago as a new believer in Christ. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Lean not on your own understanding, and he will direct, order your path. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I've been finding, man, I need, I need God's wisdom. I, I found that out all through my life and all through the ministry. And you found that in, in your home and in your profession and what you find yourself doing is that you need God's wisdom. And it's just so much better when we have that. And it's so obvious to us, but definitely to others, when we don't have wisdom. Now, we can gain knowledge. And when you think about knowledge, knowledge is basically a collection of data, of facts. And it's important we build a knowledge base and schools are built on that. We, we have knowledge. But wisdom, what it does, it goes a little deeper. It takes the the facts that we gain, the facts that we learn, and it adds faith and it adds feet to the knowledge and we walk in it. And you can, I can meet people that are very intelligent. They have lots of knowledge, but they're not very wise. And you can meet some people that are very simple and maybe not the most intelligent because they've not maybe studied all the disciplines that you've studied in your uh, sphere of influence, your field of study. But they're extremely wise because God has gifted them with wisdom from Him. A lot of times, maybe in the past, especially at my generation and above, our, some of our parents had education. Some didn't have a lot of formal education. But I found sitting with my grandparents, they were extremely, extremely wise. Those that walked in faith, those that had walked with the Savior for so many years, they had so much to say. Here, here I'll set it up this way. 
You remember, and we have such a young congregation, so some of you can't get this, and some of you have just figured this out. Remember when you were coming up, you didn't think your parents were very smart? And then one day, God gifted you, and he gave you the new title, Mom and Dad. And then you started raising and nurturing these little kids, and you began, you began to speak words, and you were just like your mom and dad. You, even the same phrases they said, you said them. And you said, it is I. I am guilty. I'm just like them. But you also had a realization. My dad and mom were really smart. I didn't appreciate it as much. I remember giving my dad a hard time in high school, and he was a big guy who played football at Auburn, and he could have taken me out in a second. I still remember the day that I tested my dad at the year age of 18. I was pumping iron, full of myself, long hair, a lot of fun, and we were standing at the lake. We had a lake place, and my dad was on the pier, and all my buddies were down there, and I said, I'm going to show out. I said, watch this. I said, the old man, now I never said it in his presence. I said, the old man's going in the water, and I come running. I said, hey, and when I got smart, I didn't call him daddy or dad. I called him pop i said hey pop you want to take a swim and i went running down the pier and as i got really close and all my friends were sitting in the boat like he's gonna throw his dad in the water and i got and as right as i approached my dad my dad leaned forward caught me just right and threw me over his head in the water and he crossed his arms and all my friends died laughing had a boy larry you showed him i was humiliated God, the water said, you got me, Pop. No more for you. See, that man, he wasn't just wise. He was strong. Fast forward, and I still remember holding those strong arms on his deathbed, wishing he had the strength to pick me up and kick my butt one more time. My dad, he was wise. Are you wise? You know, there's all this wisdom around the world. There's true wisdom. There's false wisdom. I don't know what you have. And I pray that we would determine that wisdom is needed in our age more than ever. And we can navigate through this world of all these systems and ideas that are clanging for our time and attention and money and resources. And we go, Holy Spirit, you are God. Would you lead us? Would you direct us? I like this. When you think about what is wisdom, I want you to write down this word. I want you to put it in parentheses. I got, you got plenty of room to write. I didn't give you a lot of notes today. What is wisdom? Write in parentheses. Skilled living. Skilled living. When you think of an athlete, you don't think of just an athlete that knows the game. Right now, football has started again. Do I have anybody excited? Okay, well, next weekend you'll be really excited because we're going to get wide open, Okay. And so here it is. But you know what? It's not enough just to have athletes on the field that know the game. They're smart. But they don't have any skill. They lose a lot of games so they don't have skill. Well, that's what it is. We have skill that God gives us. And we execute the art of living from the vantage point that we have the wisdom from above, from God. And wisdom is absolutely necessary for us to be effective parents, husbands, wives, moms, dads employers employees friends whatever relationship we just go god we need it and i was sitting there looking at all these passages here in james i've been just looking and looking and there look in the 13th verse it says if you're wise and understand god's ways prove it by living an honorable life doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom see wisdom always involves a high degree of humility that you humble yourself and you're dependent on a god that is the source of all knowledge that you need him 
And as I was thinking about this, I think about a guy that was really smart. Maybe you've heard of him. His name's Steve Jobs. You ever heard of him? I've got more of his products. I've kind of, I know some of you don't like Mac, and I'm sorry, and we have a lot of Macs around the church, and I've got Mac devices and had no idea that I would be like it. But I, as I was researching, I did, I did some study, and I'd heard this before, but I wanted to go back and verify it. And I don't want to be here to slander or slam anybody, but what I will say, he was an extremely intelligent, extremely bright, extremely successful but he was a man that was probably full of slander, a man that was very mean, a man that was very rude, a man that would fire people, a man that would come. I mean, the more I read about it, I'm like, man, I don't want to know that. I just want to know that he did Mac, that he did Apple. I, I like the guy, you know. So, but it's interesting. But yet, they, they said that Steve Jobs, he would walk into his company and he'd walk into the cafeteria. And by his mere presence, he could walk in, he could clear out the cafeteria. Because he had this reputation for being harsh. And I think to be so wise in the eyes of the world, to have such understanding, to have such power and influence, to have such financial resources, if only he had been able to have gotten that under the bridle of God. Isn't that amazing? And we could be like, well, yeah, Keith, I don't understand that example. But you think sometimes, what is our tongue? We talked about our tongue last weekend, our speech and how important it is. So fill in the first point. Actions reveal wisdom. Our actions reveal a lack of wisdom. Or maybe an abundance of wisdom that God has given us. It's a mark of true wisdom. A good leader learns to listen. A good parent learns to listen. A good employee learns to listen. A good Christian, a follower of Jesus, learns to listen to the truths of God. They learn to listen to the voice of God. They learn to listen to their teachers. And they also, they possess humility and they possess that word meekness. Meekness has never been weakness. Meekness has always been power under control. God, I'm not going to be able to do this if you don't come through. Lord, I'm weak. I don't have understanding. Lord, I need you. I need to agree with you, Father. I'm a mess without you. How many of you would agree you're a mess without Christ? An absolute mess, fragmented, messed up, torn up, broken, shattered in the hope, in the help that you need something from God. In this meekness, you know, Jesus, the scripture talks about how meek Jesus was. All power and control was under the authority of Jesus Christ. All authority, all power. The most powerful man who's ever lived on the face of the earth was Jesus, and he was meek. I think about in, in, in the animal kingdom, the animal that is broken, the animal that is tame, the animal that comes under control, and they can be meek. That, that horse that is so powerful and it's brought under control that uh, even a wild stallion, once it's broken, a little kid could get on top of that horse and be able to direct it and could ride that horse. You know, a lot of times we don't know a lot about horses. I, I don't know how many. How many of you, I'm just curious, how many of you ever ridden horses? Just raise your hands. And I'm not talking about the carousel, okay? Raise them again. I'll raise your hands if you've ever ridden a horse. Okay. See, less hands just went up, okay? I know the carousel can be a little scary, right? I, I guess. Uh, you're, you're a wuss. If I, okay, all right, all right, all right, here we go. Let's keep going. The actions that reveal wisdom. And then look here in verse 14 through 16. There's the wisdom of the world, and right beside that, wisdom from below. There's that above heavenly wisdom, and there's that below worldly wisdom. And a lot of people dwell in that worldly knowledge, that world wisdom. And so in verse 14, let's see what the word says. 
But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of what? Of evil. So God, right here, he lets us know that we don't want to be a part of this earthly, of this demonic, of this uh, natural wisdom. That it gets us in trouble. And listen to some of the things it does. When we're envious people, when we have envy in our heart, listen to this. We secretly regret that our friends succeed when we have not. We're jealous of them. We're envious of them. We believe that we would have done it better had we gotten the right breaks, had we had their parents and been able to get us a tutor or send us to the right school. Third, we have a hard time believing that others have more talent than we do, then we're envious. And, and the truth is, it's, you know, just some people have just have more talent than us. On this stage, I'm looking at the talent base. How many of you wish you had some of their talent to play an instrument? And this morning, this morning, we had a brand new student walk up on the stage. This afternoon, we're having our country gospel service at 1.30 with Spencer Glenn. <laughs> it, it, this morning, he was up there and Drew was trying to get him to play stuff, and he wanted to play Johnny Cash and country stuff. And it was really good. And he's going to learn praise and worship in the house. But just saying, if we decided we could do country gospel, I think the man's there for it. Okay. We temper our compliments with the word but. We complain that others don't appreciate us as they should if we're envious. We walk the other way rather than congratulate somebody when they have a good fortune. We should celebrate and rejoice when people, when they get promoted in the church, said. You still were like, oh, I didn't get mine. I didn't get a new car. I didn't get a new job. I didn't get this. Ah, blah, blah. Right. We question the motives of those who show kindness to us. We uh, secretly gloat when someone else gets caught because they had it coming to them. And here's what I've learned about when we're envious. We're quicker to criticize than compliment. This really goes back to last week's message, the power of the tongue. And here he says, don't be envious. Don't be rebellious here. Hey, have this heart after Christ. So live an honorable life. Don't be earthly, unspiritual. Don't be demonic. You know where the problem starts? It starts on the inside. It starts on our heart. It starts by our own selfish ambitions and desires that haven't been surrendered and submitted to Christ. And Christ says, I want to control, I want to captivate your heart. I want to captivate your mind. Wisdom from below has never been spiritual in the sense that God wants to give to us. So jealousy and selfish ambition, they're powerful driving forces of our hearts when left unchecked from the Holy Spirit. But when we surrender our intellect, our emotions, our desires to Christ, we have the opportunity, we have the capacity to walk in the fullness of God. And the church said, so this morning, can we just ask God to probe our hearts before we come to the communion table? And say, God, is there any hurtful way? Is there any selfish ambition? Is there any envy within me? Because God, if it is, give me a clean hands and a pure heart. Give me a pure heart before I come to your table today, God. So James tells us wisdom is earthly, 
unspiritual, demonic in this case, and it has no sense of spirituality. But when you're in the midst of the battle, when you're in the midst of the flesh, when you're in the midst of earthly wisdom, things just tend to go south. Have you ever noticed even godly people, even people that name the name of Jesus, if they're not careful, they can get into a natural stream, a natural pursuit, a natural bent, and they can begin to do ungodly things. You know, sometimes I get calls... Well, I get a lot of calls, but I get calls from this congregation. I get calls from people in the community. And sometimes they're like, Pastor, like the other day somebody called me and says, Pastor, or he says, Keith, he's a good friend of mine, he says, Keith, put on your pastor cap. When somebody tells me to put on my pastor cap, I know I'm in trouble. What they're telling me is there is a situation in their church, and now they want me to give them counsel of how they should handle it. And what I've learned is, it just happens, man, if we're not careful in taking our cues from the Holy Spirit, if we're not looking at the Word of God, Bye. I thought they started blowing. We're, we're in trouble. So, God, we want to be in touch with you. We don't want to go to Facebook or Google and try to get our wisdom because, man, that's not going to be the wisdom of the Father. God, we want to get it from you. Lord, it's your way. But sometimes, if we don't get our way, what do we do? We attack. You know what I've learned about the church of the living Christ? It's the greatest entity on the planet. It's amazing. It's made up of the people of God and even those far from God that might seek Christ. It's awesome. However, I've also learned about the church of Jesus Christ. It has the ability to be mean-spirited, ugly, rude, chaotic. Turn to the per- No, don't turn to the person next to you. It just can happen because... We get this wisdom from this world, and we're not always saying, God, give... Like when I was talking to this person the other day, and they were in a very difficult situation, and I was listening intently, and, and I just remember, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. I want to know how to answer this. I'm amazed how many times, because I, I read the Scripture, you read the Scripture, I pray. God gives me the Word in season and out of season. I know how to answer. Sometimes I don't. I'm amazed. Sometimes I give counsel, and I'm like, man, where did that come from? Oh, I know where that came from. That came from God. Because I don't know. How many of you have been in situations where God showed up and He gave you wisdom? And you were grateful for the insight that the Holy Spirit gave you revelation? That's what I prayed when I preached on the weekend, that I would come with revelation, insight, that you could somehow know Christ intimately better than you knew when you came in. Lord, we need you. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, the church is a place where our dreams are shattered sometimes. And that's a good thing. Everyone comes to church with a certain set of expectations. New believers often enter the church hoping to find a little bit of heaven on earth. And many times they do. But we expect our brothers and sisters in Christ to treat us better than the people of the world. But sooner or later, sometimes people find out that we're not as saintly as we say we are. We're not always as godly as we want to be. That sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes, sometimes we're cantankerous. Sometimes we're mean-spirited. Sometimes we're less. No, sometimes we're just cruel. And it's sad. And yet, I'm grateful this morning we come to the table of redemption, the table of forgiveness And by the mercy and the blood of Christ, He can cleanse us from all sin and unrighteousness in repentance that we might not pursue that and that become our habitual pattern. Are you grateful for the blood of Christ today that wipes away your sin? Amen. Because I don't know about you, I blow it. I blow it frequently. 
not as much as I used to, but I still, I just, I'm, I'm, of, of, I'm of this world. I'm born again. I, I'm spirit-filled. I, I have Christ, but sometimes I don't die to my flesh like I should, and I just do something that's not honoring, edifying to Christ. And I find that you would say, well, I'm the same way, Pastor. I'm, I'm, we're in good company. And yet, God, we want you to take us prisoner. God, we want to surrender. We want to submit to the wisdom of heaven. Oh, God, pour out wisdom on this place. Pour out wisdom on every house that's represented today. God, pour out wisdom on everybody that will watch this on the Internet or listen to a podcast. God, give wisdom from above, not from the pit of hell, not hissing from the pit, not coming forth from the earth, but coming down from the heavenly lights. I say it a lot, every good and perfect gift is where? From above. God, we need you. So there in verse 16, for wherever there's jealousy, selfish ambition, there you find disorder. Every kind or every other kind of evil. So Lord, we don't want disorder. Lord, we want you to come. We want you to clothe us in power and wisdom and clothe us in the righteousness of Christ. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't want to stir up sinful ways in our life lord we we don't want to be a stumbling block we don't want to cause weak christians to stumble and fall god we want to encourage others to pursue the kingdom of light lord we lord together we corporately we do not want to injure the testimony of the church is that right church we want the church to be the bright and radiant church without wrinkle, without blemish. We want the church to be perfect as our Savior is perfect. He'll come again for the church. Oh God, we know we're not perfect. We're of this world. You've called us out of this world to come back into the world to call others out of the world. Christ, we want to run after you. Lord, we want to be overcomers. We want Christ to be our identity. And Christ Jesus, when you become our identity, then we have influence. Then we have impact on a shattered broken world god help us to love when people hate us help us to love when people judge us help us to love when people slander us god help us to love with the agape love of christ because we have the wisdom of god well we don't want to be a part of some church split if you've ever lived or been a part of a church split you can find they're they're not very pleasant a lot of times entities never make it and then sometimes by the power of christ they rise up out of that but they come out of unearthly or unheavenly wisdom they come out of the wisdom of the earth if you will demonic they're just they're just wrong and so god wants us to not have disorder not have confusion not have chaos not have disharmony he doesn't want us to fight he doesn't he doesn't want us to fuss he didn't he didn't want us to fume god wants us to love one another our whole mission statement is hate god and hate others man no it's not it's love god and love others i mean would you go to a church that was their mission statement hate god and hate others whoa that would be the wisdom of the devil that would be devilish that would be satanic that would be demonic i would run if you're not running start running now but love God and love others. I was sitting there looking at that thing, SUA. I was watching those guys and girls as they were serving the other day, just serving people. And as we serve our community this morning, I was in a missions meeting with our, our mission team. And they were coming forth with ideas and things that we're going to put into practice and things that you're going to do as a body, we're going to do together to serve the greater need of the cause of Jesus Christ. We're going to go missional even more and more. How many are excited about that church? 
So many of you said, I want to be more missional. Then sign up, then respond, then be a part. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. It just makes a difference. Lord, we don't want disorder. We don't have wrong attitudes. Lord, we want to be after you. When, when the conflict rages, let it die in us. Let it die in our community. Do you know we have an enemy? And he is great and mighty. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world great is the lord jesus christ supreme over all others he is high and lifted up in the temple said isaiah this morning he's lifted up in this temple he's lifted up in this gathering place that's why we sing praise and worship not because it has a good beat and it does not because it has good lyrics because it does we sing and we do praise and worship because it unites our hearts it lifts our mighty god to the heavens and we break in an angelic chorus and we worship him in glory amen that's the church some of you are like well, you get so excited about it I do, I do. I want you to be excited about it. Matter of fact, I'm praying now about a series when I finish James about kind of going back to some basics and doing Hebrew words on the word praise and us attacking what it means to be a congregation that praises God. And the church said, they're supposed to say, do it, do it, preacher. Preach it, preach it, brother. Okay, amen, I'll take that. That'll be okay. How many of you want to learn something else about praise that you don't know right now? How many of you need to learn something that you don't know about praise right now? Yeah, okay, all right, just, just thought I'd see if you're awake, okay? Somebody come out here sometimes, they go, you know, preacher, you're not boring. Well, you know, that is not my goal. I just don't want to be boring. I mean, I can get up here and I can raise my voice, and I've been trained all these abilities to communicate and all that, and I know I have great passion and energy, and it comes from Jesus Christ, Hallelujah. But I teach you the Word of God because the Word of God is infallible. The Word of God, when it is spoken, you have to make a decision. Amen. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to uh, educate you, to help you have transformation. I can't transform you. But man, the Spirit of Christ can. He's transforming. I've watched so many of you. I've been your pastor for a long time. And I've watched so many of you change and grow and come to Christ and transform. And always what I love the most is when people walk up to me and go, is so-and-so go to your church out there? Yeah. Oh, they have changed. I'm like, well, that's the goal. Hello. I mean, like, what am I supposed to say? Oh, oh man, I wish they had just stayed a serious sinner and just kept walking in the dark. That was working for them. Nah, man. I want that for all of you. Somebody go, well, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Man, I have, go after Christ. Lord, don't quit comparing to one another. God, help us, to, help us to be what you want. So actions reveal wisdom, wisdom of the world. Look at verse 17 and 18. We've got to start moving there. Wisdom from above. Wisdom from above. Because there's always going to be demons. There's always going to be Lucifer, Satan himself. There's always going to be the dark side that's going to try to pull us down. There's always going to be that selfish ambition and envy and all those things on the inside of us that work against the spirit man. But then... There's the wisdom from above that comes from God. And look what he says here, verse 17. Look at the scripture. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. I love that word pure. It has a relationship with God. We can approach the throne of grace with confidence because we're pure in Christ. It's unmixed. It's undiluted. We don't go through the motions, but we go after Christ. It's a pure faith. It's going after a heart after God. It's a heart that is honest before him you know that's what communion part of communion is god do 
a check on my heart, doing an evaluation. God, show me if there'd be a simple way with him. He sins. Lord, help me to confess him. Lord, help me to be pure because you're pure. And then, he look, at, look there at verse 17. He said it's pure. He says it's also peace-loving, or one translation says peaceable. Then it's gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. Peaceable, not harsh. Full of sensitivity. Sensitivity to God and sensitivity to the people around us. I'm amazed how if we could just get in on that and ask God to give us wisdom for sensitivity, how we could be more sensitive to the ones we live with, the ones we work with, the ones we play with, the ones that we do life with, the world would change. The church would change. You know, sometimes people come to me, pastor, pastor, pastor. Yeah, that's my name. What? Call me PK. Okay, PK, PK. Guess what? So-and-so's not sensitive to me. They're not being kind. Be you kind to one another, preacher. I know, I know, I know. And I want to go, were you kind? <laughs> you know, and, and this is 40, 50, 60-year-old people, okay? It's like little kids. You know, and sometimes we're just not kind. We're just not sensitive. We, I don't know where we're getting our wisdom. I do. It ain't from God. So God, help us to be a kind generation. How many of us just want to be kind? You know, you're like, oh, I need to bring my kid here right now. I'm going to get him. I'm going to drag him out of their class. Like, Listen to that preacher. He said, be kind. Be kind to your brother and sister. I love it when your little kids are kind to each other out there. And sometimes I see them slug and hit each other. I go, whoa. But you know what's amazing? And I've watched some of you. You're doing a good job. And then I see you. I see your kids run over. Brother, brother, sister, I'm sorry. I did not mean to do that. And they hug each other. I go, oh, isn't that awesome? Now, we don't do that as adults. We're too sophisticated. We just hit, we just hit each other and leave. Or we just get mad and we go to another church. I think there ought to be a place in the church that we reconcile to one another when we get upset. And the church said... Corinthians says, be ye ministers of reconciliation one to the other. See, that's what I committed myself to following Christ, to being a minister of reconciliation. People that are trapped in sin, getting free in Christ, knowing the freedom of Jesus, but also being reconciled to one another. So if there's somebody in the room today that you're not reconciled to, just maybe go over and grab them and say, hey, would you forgive me? Or could, we, could we take communion together today? That'd be awesome. Who knows what God might do? So they're gentle. They're not demanding their own way, thinking they must be first. I don't know about you. It's easy for me to think about me. Did you think about me? Did you think about me? Hey, don't raise your hand. But aren't, if, be honest. Isn't it easy to think about yourself? Yeah, you don't even have to work at it. You don't have to pray, God. I'm not very, I'm so selfless, God. God, you're so lucky to have me. God, I am so special. God, I just never think about me. No, I'll tell you what, I know how you think about you and I know how I think about me. If I, audited, if I audited your prayers for 24 hours, how many prayers would it be about you? Uh-oh. It's amazing. Always, but, but you know, that's one of the things I love about preaching and I love about praying and being a prayer warrior. I love praying for other people. It also gets the stuff off of me because I, I can get consumed with me. You can get consumed with you. But when we begin to think about others and we get the mind of Christ, man, that's beautiful. How many think our prayers are effective and righteous as Christians? The Scripture says they are. This morning, Cheryl texts me immediately. She goes, Pastor, pray for me. I didn't go, you know, I was thinking about it, but this is the wrong day. I don't pray for you on Sundays. Maybe call me back on Wednesday. No. I immediately went to my study and hit my knees in Jesus' name. Because there was prayer. I get prayer requests from you. Pray for this. Pray for that. You get prayer requests from me, and I hope you pray. 
That's the church. We'll talk about that later in James. So arrogance and pride break relationships. But look at this. So wisdom from above. Move down there. It yields to others. It's full of mercy, good deeds. It shows no favoritism. We preached all on favoritism a few weeks ago. It's always sincere, genuine. Verse 18. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Calling all beggars. That's what God does. We're beggars. We're paupers. We're in need of the living bread of Christ. One person said one time, you know, that's one beggar that's found the bread and he goes and shares the bread with somebody else that needs the bread. I have found the bread of life eternal in Christ and I decided because the Holy Spirit led me that I would go and share that bread with others and you do that as followers of Christ. It's called evangelism. It's called living out your faith. It's called have, having honorable faith to God, sincere, genuine being beggars, it's true, it's, it's, it's okay. We all kneel at a cross. The, 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 level, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. It, it's for all people, regardless of what sin you've committed. You can never outrun the mercy of God. You've never sinned too much to receive the mercy of God. Is that good news this morning? I need mercy. But then God says, if you're a follower of me, then be merciful as you have received mercy expend, express, extend the mercy of Christ. This morning, when you leave this place, extend the mercy of Christ to somebody that needs it. There's a quote that I think is going to come up. When beggars come in repentance, they're healed by the blood of Jesus. It all starts at the cross. It all starts with that relationship with God and Jesus Christ that we run to Him. Oh God, baptize my lips, cleanse my heart, deliver me from envy and selfish ambition. God, make me like you. God, bring a harvest. God, bring a harvest. God, bring peace. God, don't let me sow discord like I have in the past. Help me to pursue your heart. God, give your will to me. God, I've had enough worldly wisdom. I've had enough wisdom from below. I choose, by an act of my faith, by an act of my will, I choose to have godly faith. I choose to have faith from above. Because, Father, I'm going to ask you. I want to know what to do. I want to know how to treat people. I want to know what to do in that situation. God, I want to know where to live. I want to know where to go. I want to know what to do. I don't know. Right now, there are a thousand decisions in this room that probably need to be made in the next quarter. Maybe in the next week, the next day. And I believe that God has all the wisdom and we forfeit it because we don't ask Him. Listen to the Word of God. Proverbs 4, 7. Write it down. Write down Proverbs 4, 7. And write down Proverbs 3, 13. Proverbs 4, 7 says, The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, though it costs you all you have, and get understanding. Proverbs 3, 13. Blessed are those who find wisdom and those who gain understanding. Let's pray together. Lord God, I pray that you would make us hungry for wisdom. Give us pure hearts. Help us to be peacemakers in this place, mighty God. Give us grace to reply gently to the ones around us. Deliver us from always wanting to defend ourselves. Open our eyes to hurting people around us, Father. And use us. Use us, Father, as a fellowship to plant seeds for a harvest in your time.
Oh, Jesus. We want to be wise. And we know that You are the owner and instructor and leader and Lord. Lord Jesus, come and grant us wisdom in this place, in this hour. For we ask this prayer in faith, believing that Christ saves, that Christ redeems, and Jesus gives wisdom. And the church gathered and said, Amen.